From the Salvation Army, welcome to the Holiness Podcast with Lieutenant Colonel Vern Jewett. In this monthly Bible study, we'll be exploring God's gift of holiness, which is offered to every Christian. To download this month's study guide, visit us at salvationarmysoundcast.org slash holiness. Hi, this is Vern Jewett, and welcome to the Holiness Podcast. It is great to be back with you again. We've had a bit of a hiatus due to some administrative changes and some personal illness on my part, but I'm excited to be back with you after a couple of months. I want to say thank you to the Florida Division for beginning and hosting the Holiness Podcast for the first four years. As we begin the fifth year, there's been a change, and we now are presenting you the Holiness Podcast as one of the direct ministries of the Salvation Army's Southern Territorial Headquarters in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, we're very excited about that and are grateful for the opportunity to do that. Also, I want to uh, just give thanks to the Lord for healing to my voice. I have a condition which three times in the last 10 years has caused me for an extended time to not be able to speak. But with good doctors and I believe the touch of the Lord's hand, we're able to give it a go again and he is restoring my voice uh, slowly and it's just great to be back with you. Our topic and text today really take us back to the beginning of the study of holiness and the purposes of the Holiness Podcast. I remember being strongly motivated to share the truth that holiness is a gift from God. And we looked way back at the very beginning and have several times since at Jesus' last words, first in uh, Luke at the end of the gospel when he said that God was going to give a gift and the disciples should wait upon that gift. And then The very same words uh, in Acts, the first chapter, when in fact he shared with them that the Holy Spirit was going to come upon them. And so the title of the teaching today is The Gift of the Holy Spirit. And we have a text taken from John's Gospel and a window through which we're going to look at the presence of God's Holy Spirit as the essential gift from God that allows us to live holy lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. John, the Gospel, chapter 20, and I'm going to be reading verses 19 through 22. And this is the New International Version. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, With the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Now that's the context. That's why I wanted to read those three verses. Here is our text, verses 21 and 22. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, 
receive the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus had told them that a time was coming back as he was teaching uh, earlier in his ministry. The time was coming when the Holy Spirit would not only be with them, but would be in them. And this is the first direct indication of the Holy Spirit being given to the believers as Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Ray Stedman, in his commentary, says Jesus breathes upon them. He imparts to them the gift of the person of the Spirit. From this moment on, the Spirit no longer comes from without, but from within. So the gift of the Spirit has many synonyms as we read through the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament. Although there are shades of difference, it is used sometimes to speak of the filling of the Spirit or the coming of the Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It reaches each time to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Our lives are sealed by the Holy Spirit's presence. It is a mark of ownership by God in our lives. So the heart of the gift of the Spirit is that we belong to him and that he dwells in us. Now, I want to look at this passage and the teaching about the gift of the Holy Spirit and focus on three great scriptural truths. The first one I think we can handle fairly quickly, but some people are surprised that this is the clear teaching of the Bible. The breath of God brings physical life itself. All life comes because God imparts it. Now, the word that is used by Jesus in our text is the same word that is used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, Genesis 2-7. And some of you may immediately have thought of that. God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Some of you may have thought of the story of the dry bones in Ezekiel. And yes, that's the very same word once again. Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I will make breath enter you and you'll come to life. The breath of life, whatever it is, all life, physical life comes from God. And I've always been interested in the visit of Paul to Athens, as it's recorded in Acts, I believe it's the 17th chapter, where he went to the Areopagus and engaged the teachers of the day. You'll remember that he was speaking to them and he referred to an inscription he saw, to the unknown God. And Paul used that as a means to say, I want to tell you that God is not unknown, the God is not unknown. He calls him the Lord of the Hebrews, but in Acts 17, 25, he says, he himself gives all men life and breath and everyone else. So where there is life, there is the breath of God. So the first great truth is that all life comes from the breath of God itself.
The second truth takes us to the heart of our teaching today. We're going to spend a little bit of time, uh, probably the majority of the time on this. That simply is that the breath of God brings spiritual life to all who receive Jesus Christ. Now, the, the word in the original language for breath is uh, pneuma. It means breath or spirit. And uh, the Holy Spirit is the hagios pneuma, the spirit of, uh, that is breathed. Uh, and it carries a profound range of meanings, this word pneuma. It really means life, force, energy, uh, dynamism, and power. One writer says that the Jews at the time of Jesus considered the pneuma to be the powerful force of God that created the universe and all living things and the force that continues to sustain creation. When we are born again, when we go from being dead spiritually to alive spiritually, it is because of the breath of God. Listen to Reverend Diane Urey. She's the Salvation Army's National Ambassador of Holiness, writing in our war cry, one uh, of our key periodicals, just last month. She says, we are also breathed by God into persons. We're created for communion with his word. He desires to speak into us when we receive him in his word, his holy nature lives in us. So we are talking about the breath of God bringing the presence of God into every believer's life. Now, there's so many ways to explore the breadth of this teaching. I just want to give you a three quick examples of ways that we can learn about this teaching. The first takes us back about six chapters earlier in John. It's back uh, not that long time-wise because it is back to when he is with his disciples uh, at the Last Supper, and so all that follows is, uh, uh, is soon to come. But in John 14, verse 23, Jesus makes this remarkable statement. He replies to a question from Judas, not Judas Iscariot, who said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them. Now listen to this. And we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Now, the startling truth, and lately in uh, many teaching sessions, people have been surprised to discover that the triune God lives within every believer. It is the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit cannot be anywhere where the Father is and where the Son is. And what did Jesus say? My Father will love them, and we 
will come to them and make our home with them. Wow, I had the privilege as I began my seminary career to take the Gospel of John as a course from Dr. George Turner, who along with uh, Dr. Julius Manti wrote a wonderful commentary on John. When he got to this verse, Dr. Turner, (laughs) who was a quiet, gentle, and uh, brilliant man, said this, the idea of the Father and the Son dwelling in the believer along with the Holy Spirit is breathtaking and makes this one of the most precious verses in the whole Bible for the Christian. Yes, the triune God is ever-present in us and with us. Another example is that the Holy Spirit and his work is actually Jesus at work. The understanding, that understanding of the relationship between Jesus and the Spirit is precisely the one Peter expresses at Pentecost. You'll remember all the signs that happened at Pentecost. And when the bewildered crowds, this is uh, a quotation from Bruce Milne in the Bible Speaks Today, a commentary. He says, when the bewildered crowds demand to know the meaning of all these phenomena going on, Jesus' answer is this, and it comes out of the message Jesus taught. He preached immediately after Pentecost, and he said, this Jesus, in Acts 2.23, exalted to the right hand of God, he has poured out what you now see and hear. You see, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost at Pentecost is Jesus at work. So the Holy Spirit's presence and work in us is the work of Jesus. There's one element in the third uh, example I want to take just a moment to talk about. is about possibly the most important other truth of God living within us. Holiness and the gift of the Holy Spirit shows itself in perfect love. John Wesley's favorite description of holiness was perfect love. I've been spending a great deal of time lately uh, in the writings of my good friend, Commissioner Phil Needham, recently went to be with the Lord. He has been more with me in the last few weeks than I think at any other time. I've not been able to put down some of his writings. This is from his book, Following Rabbi Jesus, where uh, Phil began the last few years of his life to talk more and more about the miracle of agape love because it is not a human love. It comes only when God lives within a believer. He says, being a disciple of Jesus means learning to love as he loved. This love has the aroma and taste and texture of eternity. Love is the very atmosphere of eternity. Love never ends, never fails, never loses. His last statement I jotted down actually in the back of my Bible. Phil said, our covenant with God is a lover's pledge to never stop loving. Let's apply it to our lesson today. God breathes eternity into our lives when he breathes agape love into us. He breathes and we receive his love. 
He breathes and we are infused with his love. He breathes and our lives reveal the shape of his love. He breathes and our motives and desires are purified. He breathes and our heart and our wills are changed. I grew up uh, with Salvation Army officer parents whose ministry was in the work of rehabilitation, mostly with uh, alcoholic men back in the 60s and 70s. And I was always around the setting of men in rehabilitation, in a spiritual program, having come out of the devastating experience of body, mind, and spirit just being wrecked in their lives. And one of the things, as they would pray on Sunday mornings or any other morning before we went out to work, anytime you asked a man to pray, he was likely to begin by saying, thank you, Lord, for waking me up this morning. Now, I don't know how often you pray that, but if you have been through the kind of experience that someone fighting addiction that is that has ruined their lives has been through, you might very quickly, just like these men, say first thing in the morning, thank you, Lord, for waking me up. Because there were days, many days, when many people had the possibility of not waking up. Well, as I was thinking about that and thinking about this message, I want, and I have started to say occasionally in my own prayers, thank you, Lord, for breathing spiritual life into me. Holiness, the gift of the Spirit, shows itself in perfect love. Now, I want to mention the third key teaching. And some of you may have thought of this already, because there is something else in the Bible about God breathing his Spirit into. And many of you have probably thought about his Word, about the Scriptures. Because in 2 Timothy 3.16, it says that all scriptures are given by inspiration of God. Now, what is that word inspiration? Many of you will know. It is the word pneuma, and it is the word theos. Pneuma being breathed into, theos, which means God. It forms a word, theos neustos, which means inspiration. You see, literally, the words mean God breathed. That's the picture of God breathing or emitting himself into something. We have brass musicians in the Salvation Army, and I've played a musical instrument, a brass instrument, for over 65 years. Just as a musician blows on an instrument to produce a distinct sound, God moves mightily on those men who wrote the scriptures, and they temporarily became an instrument through which God expresses his heart and will. They were the writers, but God was the great musician who breathed upon them his instruments. Thus, the Bible is God's message delivered through human writers to you and me. That's such a powerful and important teaching, because just like God's presence in us, God is present in his Word. 
If you read 1 Corinthians 2, you'll learn this. Uh, But when God was ready to speak to mankind, he held up human language to his mouth and he breathed into it. And then after breathing his pneuma power into the language to produce life-giving words, God moved upon the hearts of those he had called to write his book. And men began to write under divine inspiration. If you read 1 Corinthians 2 around verses 15 and 16, you'll see that God caused, the Holy Spirit caused spiritual words to be combined with spiritual truths. Now, they were the writers, but God was the great musician. And today, that same breath of God, which began to form and take shape until it became the Bible as we know it today, that same breath of God is still inside the Bible. It was God's own breath that caused this word in the first place, and now his own presence. (laughs) There's an example here that I hope will be meaningful as we uh, really try to get a hold of this great truth. His breath, his molecules, if you will, are permanently held inside the Word of God itself. In other words, God didn't just inspire the writing of the Bible. God himself, his life, his breath, his essence, his power, energy is contained inside the Word. (laughs) Think about it. The Bible you own may be sitting on a shelf, stored away in your desk drawer, maybe sitting in the back of your automobile or sitting on a coffee table. That Bible contains the very life, essence, energy, and dynamism of God. I'm quoting now from Rick Renner in his book, Sparkling Gems from the Greek. He says, if you'll get hungry for more of God and determined to meditate on this truth long enough to tap into it, God himself will come pouring out of the Bible, into your life and situation. Wow, listen to this translation of 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture came into existence because God himself breathed upon men who then wrote as this divine breath moved upon them and thus the word took shape and came into existence. Now here's the illustration that in some ways for me ties all this together. I found it recently. It actually is from that same teaching by Rick Renner. If I hold a deflated balloon that is without form to my lips and breathe into it, the balloon will inflate. The blowing of my breath into that deflated little piece of rubber causes it to fill up so that its true form becomes visible. When the balloon is fully inflated, I tie a knot, (laughs) done this so many times with my grandchildren, at the base to trap the air within. Now, the air that filled up the balloon and caused it to take form is the same substance that empowers it to retain, to sustain its form. It was my breath that created its form, and it's my breath that now sustains it. And if the molecules inside the balloon were analyzed, it would be found that part of me is held inside in the form of the air I breathed into it. Wow, let's apply this. I hope you already have in your own mind. 
God didn't create the scripture with new spiritual life by his breath and then depart from it. No, the power continues to sustain spiritual life. That's the inspiration, living inspiration of scripture. And friends, likewise, God didn't create spiritual life in you and then depart from you. No. Immediately, it came to mind the words of the song written by Michael W. Smith. Perhaps you've sung it or heard it. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. This is my daily bread. Your very word spoken in me. And I, I'm desperate for you. And I, I'm lost without you. Make no mistakes, dear fellow believers and followers of Jesus. The gift of the Holy Spirit is for the purpose of our living holy lives. To be set apart, to be enabled, to be empowered, infused, and protected. When God breathed, he breathed spiritual, eternal life into our very spirits, the essence of us. Now, as we come to the end of the teaching, I would share with you the catalyst for this teaching is the great song of holiness written by Edwin Hatch in 1878, almost 150 years ago. Perhaps more than any historic movement within the church, the songs of holiness have brought John Wesley's rediscovery of sanctification as the the second and counterpart, uh, along with justification of what salvation really is, the music of holiness has taught us the great teachings of the Bible. It was often said of Edwin Hatch, just as a side, he was a vicar in England, that his faith was simple and unaffected as a child. Now, the hymn describes the spiritual breath of God and the enabled life given to humanity by the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say the verses and just point out all the rich themes of holiness. Verse 1, breathe on me, breath of God. Fill me with life anew. Holiness is new life, that I may love what thou dost love and do what thou dost do. A new love. No one can love like God, agape love, who has not been breathed into by his spirit. A new standard. What do I want to do? I want to do what thou wouldst do. Verse 2, breathe on me, breath of God, until my heart is pure. (laughs) That's a wonderful part of holiness teaching. We can be clean and pure, not by anything we do, but by the power and the gift of God's Holy Spirit, until with thee I will one will to do and to endure. You see, we have a new desire. We want to do 
his will. We have a staying power to endure. The third verse says, Till I am wholly thine, until this earthly part of me glows with thy fire divine. You see, being wholly his, relinquishing is the key to holiness, not achieving something, a new desire, and the ability to be restored, this earthly part of me glowing with thy fire divine. And the fourth verse, so I shall never die, but live with thee the perfect life of thine eternity. Complete life, eternal life. You see, eternity is not something we're waiting for. Eternal life is here. It is now a sound like the blowing of a violent wind at Pentecost equals life and power. Friends, when you say, breathe on me, breath of God, you are asking for a staggering infusion of power and energy through Jesus' risen life. Now, in closing, I want to go back to those two verses in the text, because there's something there that points to the great truth we haven't emphasized yet, although it's contained in the teaching. Verses 21 and 22 of John 20, again Jesus said, Peace be with you, as the Father hath sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, here's the reality of spiritual life. We are empowered. We are saved. But we are also enabled. We are sent. Nobody becomes a follower of Jesus without being commissioned. What was the commission? Just before he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, As the Father hath sent me, so send I you. Let me be just simple and clear. I believe most of the church and most people who call themselves Christians have accepted the empowering part and count their salvation basically in terms of so save I you. But that's only half the truth of the gospel. The completion of the gospel is so send I you. The staggering consequence of being saved is being sent. God has breathed unto us his presence and his love, and he does so for the sake of sending us. Now, if you study that first verse uh, very carefully, the 21st verse, it's not a new commission. Jesus says, as the Father hath sent me, he sent me for a purpose. I am sending you. We have picked up the purpose, commission, and mantle that God placed on Jesus, and Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit so that we can then fulfill the commission and complete the commission given to him. The only thought that came to my mind as I pondered at the end of this study was, God is in me. Is he active? Is he leading me? Or is he dormant? I hope you have been pondering the wonder of the truth that God lives in you and has breathed into you spiritual, eternal life.
You see, Christianity is not knowing about Jesus. Being a Christian is knowing Jesus and living with him. I pray that this will challenge your hearts and has challenged your hearts and minds when we open ourselves to God's Word. The Holy Spirit always has something very special to teach us. Well, thank you. Again, it's great to be back with you. Uh, Pray God's blessing upon you. May we all daily seek to be enabled and empowered by the Holy Spirit who lives in us so that the gift of the Spirit is the story of our lives. Until next time, this is Vern Jewett saying goodbye and God bless you. Thanks so much for listening, and we'd love to hear from you. Share your thoughts, questions, or prayer requests. Visit us at SalvationArmySoundcast.org slash holiness. And if you're enjoying this Bible study, share it with a friend. They can subscribe wherever they get their podcasts. Thank you.